0: This is the Atlanta Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, guys. Welcome back to Atlanta Legacy Podcast. We are sitting here. I'm getting ready to kick off another podcast for this week. And we're coming up on um, episode 500, which is a big one. My gosh, it, everybody kind of we get the comment a lot about how uh, many podcasts we do two a week, and we've done two a week for some time now. Um, and you know, kind of on our own standalone feed now, um, we have the ability if we if we feel so, we may start dropping more and more podcasts. Who knows? Not to foreshadow any anything, but. Um, there could be a day that there's more podcasts that are Lana Legacy, um, Legacy podcast. So uh, I appreciate you guys for listening each and every week. It's been uh, fun to be back, you know, with the, with the uh, trip to NWTF that Chad and Matt took. Um, it, was, it was some time that I wasn't in front of a microphone or wearing a headset with a mic. And so uh, it's good to be back. Uh, lots of stuff going on. First and foremost, guys, turkey season is coming up, and we want to thank one of our partners um, that have been supportive of this podcast for some time, Vortex Optics. Um, Lots of awesome red dots for shotguns, lots of rifle scopes, great binoculars, an incredible warranty, um, and then also a really awesome um, apparel line, and you can get 20% off by using Landon Legacy on that uh, on VortexOptics.com. Chad gave me a funny look. That's what that... Or you gave me a look over there through the... Weaved through the microphones um, because we're doing a kind of a makeshift studio here as we're sitting in the floor of my master bedroom um, as little girls are screaming in the background uh, in case you hear that. Um, But we are going to do something this week. um, Kind of another update. We've said this all along... um, and actually, we celebrated a year of purchasing the Whistling Woodlands. Um, Chad, just last month, kind of flew right by. Um, we celebrated with more work. With more work, that's right. That's the only way to celebrate land purchase is more work. Um, and so uh, we're, we said we were going to update you guys as we continue to knock out projects, continue to make changes, continue to move forward. And so this is going to be one where we, we kind of – rain it back in and say um, kind of talk a little bit about um, what we've accomplished again since the last time we did this podcast which was probably in November or December and we've knocked out several more things and now here we are um, just 13 months post purchase and there's been a lot of work done and so we're going to talk about some of our plans as well as uh, things that we've we've done over the last Few months since the last time we did this one, but um, if you don't know this already, I got Chainsaw Chad joining me. Chad, thanks for thanks for coming on, and uh, thank you for carrying the weight. Well, and, and I don't we, know if you were you were Matt did. I'm going to make a little joke here. Um, uh, when I was when I say you were carrying the weight, I listened to a, a portion. Each podcast we record, I skip and I listen to it as I'm editing it. And so, like, when I got all your NWTF ones, I skip through, and I think it's like a five-minute skip is what I have it set for. So it's like every five minutes, and sometimes it's 30 seconds, depending on which one I go with, But and I'm just skipping. Listen to the audio, making sure it's the same volume and nothing's, like, tapering off or there's no background noise or whatever. And NWTF, I felt like... Uh, um, Matt, Matt probably carried the weight based on the amount of times I heard his voice through the podcast. When I was skipping, it was like, okay, Matt talking, skip, Matt talking, skip, Matt talking, skip, Matt talking. Holy cow. That was a four minute rant right there. Or it seemed like all I got out of you was a, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Or somebody else was talking. And I was like, oh, it sounded like Matt just rolled over to NWTF and sat down for eight hours and talked. <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could be the same for this podcast, too. Could be. Very well could be. Um, <clears throat> what did we just accomplish um, as we, you know, the the woodlands? Um, so once again, and, and, I, and I'm trying to be as transparent as possible for everybody with that foreign purchase. Um, and so I'm going to share a little bit about what it was. We purchased the farm, and fortunately, because of the area we live in, it ends up being, you know, four four hundred and a half acres. So four hundred around four hundred fifty acres is what we purchased. Um, and it takes a
1: special location to be able to do
0: that. Very <laughs> very special location, a special loan, everything, and so uh, that's what we purchased. And some of this just to be. You know, once again, transparent. Part of this farm, like 91 acres, we had appraised before we purchased it because we actually had somebody else we were talking about buying that 90-some acres, and it appraised out for $750 $750 an acre because it's so rough. The timber was so poor. You could not farm it, and the location, just all things that go into the appraisal rate – um, now, the other part of the farm, and this was pre-COVID when the price of land went up, but um, <clears throat> that's what it appraised out at. So that's, that's ultimately one of the bigger reasons why we were able to buy this piece of property um, was it was just lower value than many of you guys across the country. And we're very aware of the fact that because of our location, we have the ability to buy that. And so because um, people have been asking me, how much ground is it? And it's just like, well, I mean. That's kind of a, a question. There's certain things you don't ask farmers. There's certain things you don't ask people. You know, how much, like how much land do you have? How many cows
1: do you have? Exactly. And a farmer will say, you know, one. I one of our one of our buddies gives one of the best answers I've ever heard to that. He said, "Changes every day. Some are born and some die." <laughs> yeah, and I think of my answer to that as well.
0: Enough. I, I hope to have more one day. Like that's kind of, you know, and you don't ask that. So for and and that's funny because I used to be in a boat where like in a situation where I didn't realize that was not a, a question you're not supposed to ask farmers, you know? And uh and so I'd ask farmers, how many head are you running? And they always gave weird answers. And now, you know, and then I went to college and studied agriculture and you start hearing those little phrases and you're like, Oh, okay. Yep, you're not supposed to ask them that. So, uh, and you're not how much land or how many cows you're running. Yeah, they just things you're not supposed to ask. But here we are. We're going to tell you guys that's what we bought. Um, so you don't have to ask us anymore. And also, um, because of the situation of the farm, once again, uh, you know, I told people this is a farm that's going to make money for us. Like it's gonna it's going to pay for itself. And we're not kidding when we say that. Like, if everything lines out the way our business strategy is, it will pay for itself. Just ultimately with cows. Now, keep in mind, it takes a little time to get the grass as productive as it needs to be, to um, get the, the water, permanent waters in the places they need to be, get the resting period correct, the stocking rate correct, all of that comes into play for maximum productiveness of our pasture ground, which happens to be close to the gravel road, the bottom ground. Um, And fortunately we're starting to get there. We've got permanent waters that are supposed to be coming in in 2022. And so, you know, now we're running a good herd and this will be our first, they're actually supposed to be calving next month. Um, We're supposed to, we got two months coming up that hopefully we get a bunch of calves out of this herd that we, this South Pole herd that we bought. Um, so that's kind of a big update. We're getting ready to hit calving season, and that is going to be how we ultimately pay for the farm is through selling selling calves each year. Now, um, I. One thing I want to stress, too, is people think we're crazy with cows. But if you see, one day you'll get to see aerial images of the farm when we become more of a video production company and not just podcast, media company. Um, but you'll see that the pasture ground actually sets up well because it's close to the road. And therefore, any of the rural people driving the roads, they're going to see cows. They're not seeing food plots and seeing bedding areas and all that stuff. So, um that's one of the benefits, and this farm is very unique in the purchase, and it's very unique in, in just the overall pr- productive manner of it from
1: the yeah, diversity of the farm. Yeah, I
0: mean, we'll talk about some of the work we just did uh, last weekend um, that was ultimately riparian management, and then we go all the way into glade management. So we go from really wet, borderline swampy when it's, when it's restored to very, very dry and borderline arid. In a matter of
1: a couple two
0: hundred yards, two hundred feet. That. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I want to update and tell everybody about, um, and 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 in this process, this is a business minded farm. We're business minded guys, and so we're not planning on stopping with the purchase of just the woodlands. Like we have our eyes set on some other farms that are close to us that we think we could have a run at. And whenever they come up for sale, and so we're trying to use this farm as our, as basically our, our guinea pig in the system that we like, and seeing if we can get it to be as productive if, as we want. But we're also trying to use it as a as a business model to showcase a history of making money. So then, when we do go buy the other one, if we do have to take a loan, we'll have a history of X Y Z income, whether that be from cows, whether that be from hunts, whether that be from events, whether that be from whatever other things that we have in the works that we'd love to share in the future when it's more of a actual business and not an idea. But one of those I want to talk about at the beginning, we've mentioned it on one other podcast, and we had a couple of people interested, but we're offering hunts on the woodlands and, and some guys are like, what farm are they going to hunt? And I'm like, the farm we bought. They're like, yeah. really? That farm? I thought you were going to hunt it. No, I'll shoot does. You'll shoot does. The plan is not to you and I just roll in as like, my plan has always been business minded because it feels a little, to me, that was kind of one of the ways to sell it to the wife is like, this is a business. Like this will be better for our families. And so if we can sell hunts on it for a couple of years and then maybe lease a farm or then get some things going Then we'll say, we'll have that history of selling hunts, so there's income there, as well as when it comes time to buy these other ones, we have that history, rather than saying, well, we're going to buy that farm, and then we're going to sell hunts. Well, how are you going to sell hunts? You've never sold hunts before. How do you know you're going to book? That's what the financial people are saying. So we're selling hunts on Whistling Woodlands, and we're going to sell, ultimately now, it's going to be two turkeys and four deer, and... It's first come first serve, and it's going to be a four to five day hunt. But it's not just hunts. The big thing, like I could give you a spill and say, "This is what we're going to do." We're selling hunts, and Chad could then say, "We're selling four day consults on on the Whistling Woodlands." That's ultimately what it is. I one of us will be with the peep with the client, and we're going to showcase the farm. We're going to let you see it. Ultimately, we're.
1: Show you the planning behind every plan. every yeah. little thing we're doing, as well as, <clears throat> and I was thinking like the turkey hunts. Yeah, to me it's like if if you've ever if you've never been turkey hunting, yeah, and, and that's and you've another thought part. about it. This is a good place to learn. Is, you want to learn? Yeah, I I would put our system up against up yeah. about anyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and not only that, but like just. How to navigate, how to learn woodsmanship. So, like, this is a great offering for a lot of guys, even our clients who aren't turkey hunters that are wanting to do it. This is a chance to get out and do it. And we're charging $2,500 a person, and it's lodgings on site, meals are paid for. It's so pretty much come and hang out with us for four to five days. And I mean, you never know with turkeys, but you'll have a pretty doggone good chance of killing a bird. And now that's not just, I mean, that's just the turkeys, but deer as well. You know, we purposely didn't hunt a lot of our, several of our four and a half year old bucks this year, um, that, that we've had, you know, even late season, you and Matt both saw two really nice deer. We had several, a couple of the others who were on the farm active found sheds. Like these deer are there and they're going to be five and a half this next fall. Knock on wood. And that's me knocking on the wood, hoping they make it through the the spring. Oh
1: man, three and a half and four and a half.
0: Yeah, there's uh, more than we've ever seen, and that's just not us trying to oversell. I mean, this is the first year that it's like these hundred tens, hundred these hundred ten inch bucks are everywhere, and there's there's several them. I don't even know how to name them all because they're just and we're finding their sheds. So the the farm has totally changed, and it's only going to get better. And that's what we want people to hear and and see that. You now, obviously, it's, not- it's open for six people, but at the same time, I would even I would even venture to say if somebody were to want to do this. And actually, I say there's four openings. There's probably only three. I think I already have a guy on on for one of them. Um, but as we've been so busy, I haven't had a chance to really nail people down and say, okay, this is what we're actually doing. I mentioned it on the latter part of one podcast. This is what we're actually doing. So we're selling these hunts, and we're selling the consult kind of with them. So when you come and hunt with us, especially during turkey season, we're going to show you every bedding cut we have. We're going to show you – or not, probably not all of them. That would take us forever. But we're going to show you how they are in the distance between our food plots here's our access, here's how we laid out the food plot arrangement, whether it be through hard mass, soft mass, tree plantings, water holes, differentiating between perennial and annual food plots, edge feathering, closed edge feathering, in conjunction with a bedding cut, and the access, savannah restoration, woodland restoration, um, our timber thinning, our tim- timber, timber thinning, management. General TSI. How we
1: managed according to how we're hunting.
0: Yeah, fire. Fire one year ago, fire two years ago. What it looks like, plant response. Glade restoration. All those things to help you guys be better landowners, we're offering in the in combination with the hunt. And that's what I, I, I don't want to try to sound like I'm doing oh. a huge sales pitch, but that's ultimately... And, By booking these and by selling these hunts, that's exactly what it sets us up for is ultimately we want to build a venue that we can host workshops at where we can have a hundred of our listeners or a hundred of our uh, viewers come and see the farm during the spring or summer. But it's kind of hard right now because it's pretty much, we can all sit in a field and eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but all this stuff that we're doing trying to sell these hunts and the other stuff we have going on behind the scenes is to ultimately build up this farm to be even
1: more showcase building for the future yeah
0: and so something else you yeah, left as much off. as i would love <clears throat> to hunt uh floppy or the big 10 next year which i hope he's bigger than that because he had a triple beam last year or a double main beam on one side mm-hmm. and a, and and this year he didn't have it but he's going to be five and a half so he may explode but ultimately um we would love to hunt those deer but but long term this is a long burn this is a, a or a slow burn this is something we want to be really really good so we're trying to step back from you and i hunting make it more enjoyable help educate more people in the same time become uh more productive in the farm so we can eventually
1: make it even better something else you left off with the turkey season where it's the afternoon and being a, there's probably a good chance that it also turns into a morel hunt yeah no doubt and given the fact that neither you or i eat those things
0: the person could probably eat themselves sick of morels <laughs> um but yeah that's that's ultimately selling the hunts um i really wanted to mention that because you know turkey season's coming up so if you are interested email me at adam TV and uh I'll be glad to chat with you more over the phone or through email and um, like I said this is first come first serve so um, I haven't even usually I do a behind-the-scenes e-blast to our clients and I haven't even had a chance to build that up so clients that listen I'm sorry um, call me <laughs> but let's do this quick because I want to make sure that we get this all lined out and uh, moving forward but um, yeah I don't know what you want to call it, Atlanta legacy, uh, whistling woodlands hunts, but that's the, some of the stuff that we have going on there, um, not to toot our own horn, but if we can't create the best farm someone's ever seen in the position that we're in, especially me being a, the business owner of this, um, that's, that, that'd be kind of, I don't know, pitiful. If you frankly want to ask like, Oh, you you uh, you assist people with your farm with farms, but your farm doesn't look any different than theirs, and they just hired you. Then what it been so ours looks different, and I want people to see it. And it's uh, going to be quick changes too. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, one thing that we've got that we just finished up was riparian planting. So major erosion control. We planted like fourteen hundred trees, um, seedling uh, bare root seedlings. That was fun. I don't know about you. How sore were you? Uh, I was sore the second day, back more kind of weird, felt weird. But other than that, I haven't been bad.
1: I was the first day, it took a little while for my feet to stretch out. I was about yeah. from jumping on a dibble bar.
0: And I had two bruises on the inside, well, four bruises, two on the inside of my thighs from where the dibble bar handles hit me, and then two on the inside of my feet where the, the actual spade, when I was jumping on the dibble bar, So we planted a lot of trees and a wide variety. And if you really want to get down to it, I think of some of our, you know, this creek runs pretty much north and south all the way through the heart of the property. And some places got walnuts and sycamores and... um, Cottonwoods. Cottonwoods and willows. Other places got more oak heavy. And ironically, those oak heavy... Really got close to the food plots, and then the other places that got more walnut heavy and sycamore and all that were places where we needed erosion cottonwoods and willows, but we didn't want to really attract the deer right out in next Some to of the them are access areas. Yeah, so there was a lot of thought just in planting the trees in the riparian area um, in conjunction with, um, you know, this is a working cattle farm. And I think of a couple of fields that we have. We don't really even have a good name for them. We've been so but uh, so busy. But they're two little hidden fields, and they are in a cattle unit. We are going to graze them, but they are ultimately going to be annual blends that are grazed. So we're going to plant basically a heritage blend or an ancestry blend from Stratton, graze it twice a summer, and then yank them out, and then plant something like the legacy blend from Stratton in there. Cows are gone, and then the cows may return in February to graze it. And because it's a cattle pasture, you think, well, shoot, that's not going to be, you're not going to kill any good deer there. Lo and behold, just up the hill, outside of the grazing units, is the timber where we're having bedding thickets cut. And because of that, because there is basically two strand high tensile all the way around these fields and they're only like 2 acres in size, 3 acres in size. There's three gates, two gates, two two gates, two gates on the wood side, two gates on the wood side and and two on the and two on the on the creek side. And ultimately when the cows aren't there, those gates are open all the time. So where do you think the deer are walking through? Where do we think we created bottlenecks just based on cattle fencing, and in conjunction with our tree planting? That's just a little tidbit of all the in-depth thinking that's going on uh, on the woodlands and in, in the layout. So, guys, it is—I uh, I just every time I feel so humbled to sit there and look at it and work on it and be like, my goodness, this is this is coming together really, really awesome. And it's like it's like a piece of canvas that every time I look at, it, I'm like, woof. You can just get lost yeah. in it and think, "Oh my goodness, that's amazing!" So it's
1: easily, it's easy to do too, is because it is in such beginning stages. Of yeah, it. it's it's uh, there's not a lot in progress. I mean, there's a lot in progress, but there it's not far down the line. Yeah, it's at the no very doubt. start. So it's it's you can sit there and imagine. You it's not already where you can just see it.
0: Yeah, and and so we've done that. We did a, another five acre glade restoration.
1: Um, Which is, I, <clears throat> it's one that, you know, it's had cattle grazing on it. Yeah, that glade. So it, it's not right now in the, you know, the other one, first yeah. thing. I mean, we knew from the start on it, okay, mm-hmm. this one's going to be amazing. But to mm-hmm. me, this one, cutting it out, you've got the cedars that are so thick, but the lower end of it, rather than just go, essentially being a bluff at the creek, this one has those giant chinka pins
0: mm-hmm.
1: that just sprawl out, real wolfy, to where you can see that it was open. Yep, but it's kind of an unknown what's going to happen in this one. Yeah, no doubt. It's got a lot of character just in the the landscape mm-hmm. with those and with the with the ledges.
0: You guys found a pond actually in that one.
1: Uh, close close yeah, to, close it, to anyway. it.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Which is
1: crazy that how long we've been on that place and. Ever did never, Didn't never know that seen was that.
0: there. Yep. yeah. And then we did brush management, which ultimately is preparing for a future warm season pasture, removing eastern red cedar and uh, honey locust and Himalayan blackberry,
1: which is gonna be just dynamite to have that in warm season. Oh man! And then burn rotations for turkeys. When yeah. that top part is burned, it's not even gonna be yeah. fair. I'm hopeful
0: that even some of the the, the people that come a hunt with us this this spring will get to maybe one of them experience a turkey hunt on that point on that ridge because it's it was almost one of the most given like turkey hunts. Okay, we see them from the farm. Let's start walking. If they gobble and you're in that valley and you can get to the top pretty quickly, they're toast. And uh, given the fact that we have e-bikes now that we built, um, makes it even more like oh man. This is going to be so much fun. And oh, yeah. so uh
1: they don't get to, they don't have to experience that steep oh, hill climb that you're you're rushing as hard as you can, you're so out of breath, your legs are burning, but you know you've got to get to the top. You got to
0: get to the top. And it's just like as soon as I get to the top and this turkey and I see him, my heart's going to be racing. So it's a good 20 30 minutes before I'm ever going to catch my breath.
1: Or the or the times when you top the hill, you don't see it and you call and you hear a gobble, but it sounds like it's a mile away. Yeah, and, and you're like, he's pops just over the hill. He's
0: just over the hill. Set down. Yeah, I actually found a uh, when I was doing one of the checkouts for for uh, the brush management. Um, I found a remote for a decoy that um, we had going way back to the a, for AJ Gall and I and you and. Uh, and the we
1: strutting, The strutting decoy. The
0: strutting decoy that went, nee, nee, and it just sat there and spun back, and, and it was just like, what in the world? We, like,
1: that we never had to even use the we remote. We never had to use it. Because yeah. as soon as they topped the hill and saw it, they came. Yeah, no doubt. Well, bowled. I found
0: that remote, and it kind of brought back <laughs> some memories. And I wonder, like, how many times, because this happens to, this is one of those things where it's like, it's a pretty cool poll to ask people, What's the strangest thing that you lost and then found later, or what? And and what was the time frame? Because that would have gone back to 2014, easy for us. Yeah, 2014, so six years. And I found that remote still looked like it was great shape. Didn't work obviously, but like the string, the little neck lanyard, all of it was still there intact. So, um, yeah, the remote. To a decoy, strutting decoy, so he spun back and forth. Yeah, Hmm. but uh, so that's completed now. The big one. So when we had all these trees, we went up to one of our new food plot additions that we planted in a unique screen. And I think when
1: you see this place, when you see the woodlands, is that miscanthus?
0: Yes. We planted it, and then we dug it up and threw it in the trash.
1: We threw it on the dozer decks and
0: burned it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we uh, ultimately, so we dozed out. it's like three and a half acres. And the way it sets is like, and I think people think we're crazy, but when you look at the turkey patterns, historical patterns on that farm, the woodlands, the northwest portion almost never had turkeys late season. It was just vacated. They moved to the fields, they moved to areas where there was bugs, they moved to areas of nesting. But I can't remember a time that we chased turkeys in the in that portion of the farm the last week of season. It was just like they just weren't there think, that common.
1: I, we would get into them occasionally early season, yeah. And then I think they shifted north to where there's I other can pasture. I having birds gobble a long ways off to the north, yeah. And that's there's pasture and cattle there, mm-hmm. or they moved south to where we could hunt them. Mm-hmm. So this will be kind of a, yeah, it'll be a game changer, I think. Yeah,
0: three and a half acres. And we open it up, and and it just so happens to be right on the neighbor's fence line. Like that's just a part of it. Is like, well, we we could blow this out into a big food plot because to help the turkeys. But ultimately the neighbors are going to be looking right there. Like, so what we ended up doing is less than half of it got planted in perennial clover. Cause it is one of the main food sources in that part of the farm. Um, and then the other half and it kind of lays west is the high point, And then it starts to fall and that's right along the boundary. And then it starts to, drop an elevation and go to the east. So the eastern portion, the furthest eastern portion, will be clover and chicory and alfalfa. And then we'll probably drill in some other blends, but that's ultimately the base. And then a majority will be a warm season native diverse, blend. Be a diverse that, natives. That we got from Roundstone Seed that's a pretty cheap, just but a highly diverse blend. And then... And then there's the dotted uh, sycamores, the dotted post oaks that we left in the dozing that kind of give a savanna-like effect, if you will. And then once you get close to the boundary, it's going to be a row of switchgrass, multiple types of switchgrass we're testing on on various ones. Then it's going to be a row of roughleaf dogwood. So a very shrubby, and we got a, some
1: not a row. It's going to be a thicket.
0: Yeah, it'll be a hedge row, basically. Yeah, it'll be a thicket because we've got some techniques to really promote even more vigorous branching, and then two rows of shortleaf pine, because frankly we love pines. They're an evergreen. They're the only native species to Missouri, uh, is the shortleaf, and so only we d- native pine species only native pine species yeah i said the only native it's like it's the only one that was ever here um no the only native pine species to missouri shortly pine so we've got that roughly dogwood then it'll be switchgrass then it'll be diverse natives then food plots so a, a staggered out effect yeah stagger that will also get staggered and burning so there'll be something yeah. up there will be burned every year and the stagger turkeys.
1: the stagger goes all the way to the break of the hill. Yeah. So it falls off from that too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really blocked. We added a water hole up there. Which we don't have a camera on that one. I I, yeah. I wonder what the activity on it, if it's similar, you know, I don't think they're staying in there right now, but like Paradise Point. Yeah. We were just talking. The turkeys are on it morning we,
0: and night. We gone. added these little verna pools on three of our food plots that are like they're used more than tur- for they're used more by turkeys than deer right now yeah it's insane how often the turkeys are there and so that's something that we've also added strategically next to stand locations or going to be blind locations um, to where my goodness
1: and it's and when we say the turkeys are using them it's not like one or two turkeys walk over no and look like they're using the pond they'll circle that pond. Yeah, they like look like the a whole bunch flock. Of, they look like a it. flock
0: of starlings on a birdbath. Yeah. Yeah. Like There'll be like 15 jakes standing circled head down on the pond taking a drink. Yeah. And I never in my wildest dreams imagined that turkeys would be the number one user of those ponds. But it is right now. And, uh, and we're also adding, I mean, we just put a purchase in for like 15 hard, hard mass trees then we're going to add soft mass trees so there'll be various soft mass various hard mass in relation to
1: before you think it's it's like big orchard type areas this is five or six trees yeah the most it'll be like
0: five it'll be half a dozen trees around each spot
1: that aren't placed as a as a spot to like in like an end of a food plot to where it's, oh, we're going to hunt over this. This is strategically placed by other terrain features and other yeah. features on that.
0: What comes into play in, in planting these specific trees will be access, blind location or stand location, wh- What when we're going to hunt it on, and then ultimately the location, the site, so what tree will perform there, as well as what is this what, what does this location offer more for deer, whether that be early season attraction or late season attraction? So then we once we identify that, then we go with a species that's going to be just an added supplement for that late season attraction. For example, one, of par, one part of the farm is is uh, like mainly south facing. It's got a glade, so it's a lot of summer t- or it's a lot of wintertime bedding, late season bedding. so they're out in the sun and they got that southern southern slope. So if we're looking for that late season, then we're going to plant and it, and it sounds like a long play, but we're planting some specific red oak species as well as some late drop fruit species in combination around what may be water holes as well as hunting locations. So really a lot of in-depth uh, planning for us going into that and those trees are going in the ground here in the next couple of weeks so we've got switchgrass to plant and um and the fruit trees to uh, or the 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 uh, hardened soft mass trees to plant so my goodness there's a lot of things that when we look back five years from now we're going to be like holy cow this place looks totally different and and i'm very very excited for that but um did i miss anything on uh we've got the we got some videos coming where we're going to plant some native blends just for added benefit. Um, we've stuck a bunch of trees in the ground. We're going to stick a lot more trees in the ground. We've cut a lot of trees. The logger is officially rolled out for the time being. Big part of the farm has been thinned. We've burned several, a couple big burns. We've got one or two more fires left to do, um, and then we got food plot season coming up. So a lot of changes my goodness this farm is going to be like each for the next two or three years it's going to change so much between each season it may hunt like a totally different farm and that's what's very very exciting because where we were is not where anybody wants to be where we're going is where everybody wants to go
1: yeah we've already seen huge changes and yeah it's with every year passing now a lot of the stuff we've done we're going to see huge swings and Mm-hmm. And change, and and every that's year.
0: ultimately what I hope for this farm to be: is an encouragement and inspiration for people that own a farm. They're like, "This is rough." Well, I can almost assure you that when you look at the 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 land mass here between the farm we bought and then the family farm that's been in the family for, I mean, it's been long a long time, long time. The fifties when it got back got back in the Keith name, but it was owned in the eighteen hundreds by Keith's um, great great grandpa i believe and ultimately we didn't have a shooter buck that was four and a half years or older one year and that was like f- what year was that a long time ago five or six years ago though uh or we had one we had alpha and he yeah, was, that four, was and a half year four or five years okay ago. was it i don't know time slips away uh oh yeah five years ago is when we started landing legacy so it was probably more like seven or eight and we had one shooter in about eight hundred acres. And it was four and a half. One it was shooter terrible. He was a dink, hundred fifteen inch eight pointer. He was a coal buck, if you want to use that definition of a a buck that's expressing everything he's got,
1: and nobody likes it. <laughs> I mean, there was a when that deer was two and a half. That was the biggest deer we had. Uh huh. Yeah. And it was not much. Yeah. And then a bunch of spikes and forked horns. Yeah. So hopefully this farm can encourage a lot of people, and that's why we're
0: basically opening the do- opening the gate and saying, come join us at least on a minor scale right now. And these first few people that are coming in to get to experience it, to learn how to turkey hunt, to learn how we set up farms to deer hunt, can see everything. They're going to be the first ones to get to see the red carpet. And then after that, hopefully through through their support and us moving some other, doing some other things, we'll be able to showcase this farm more openly with much better uh, uh, buildings or amenities so we can make this something really, really special. So, guys, I don't know if you got anything to add, but if you're interested in those hunts, and I don't know uh, if you – did
1: we specify? I mean, we kind of mentioned – I kind of led along to it, but the turkey hunts, we are hunting. Yeah, we're hunting we're, with we're, you. We're going This with is not you. semi-guided We're, guided call, we're hunts. doing all
0: that. Yeah, this is not semi-guided. Yeah, we're hunting with you. We will be calling, and um, we'll probably be filming it too. is is another big thing. So it's kind of like a chance to really. Uh, ultimately, we what we what we're doing is to help you learn how to how we turkey hunt, and it, especially for a lot of our guys who don't turkey hunt and they're like, I don't even know how to do it. This is the opportunity for you because we'll show you how we do it. You get and to see how lethal. lay
1: everything out yeah. and also learn to turkey hunt. Yeah,
0: so I don't know. You know, the one thing I was thinking about this too is it's so much, I look at it as more educational than just a hunting experience. So it may be one of those things for guys who own farms that it's a, ultimately a tax write-off because this is an educational to improve your own farm. But you'd have to talk to your CPA about that. But that's totally how I would spin it if I was in their shoes. Um, but anyway, guys, we appreciate you listening this week. Um, we've got another podcast for you. Um, Matt and I got another topic that we haven't even discussed, but I'm sure it'll be something fun and um you know turkey season's open for a lot of guys, so I hope you're having fun Have you
1: uh, what mentioned when missouri turkey season opens yeah
0: uh april April nineteenth Eight, or eighteenth day after easter um eighteenth and we're kind of open for the for the dates um so you got three weeks that we can pick get these two guys in there and go from there but um yeah. And then, oh, what I was going to say was, if somebody does this, I wouldn't even care if they wanted to swing through during the summer and see it during the summer and get some more feel of what's going on. Yep. It's kind of almost like a lease, but if you if you choose that, but we're doing all the work, we're doing everything, and you just get to enjoy it. So um, that's what we're looking for, and, and I'm excited to see who who comes and joins us. And uh, man, um, oh, YouTube. YouTube, we've got several videos popping up on there over the next few weeks uh, of turkey hunts from the past, as well as turkey hunts coming in the future. I know you're probably headed to Florida. It sounds like Matt's headed to Florida, and then we're going to be kicking off with uh, Missouri season before too long, anyway. So, guys, we thank you. Um, go to YouTube, subscribe, hit click that little bell for a notification every time we drop a video, so you don't miss it. And uh, just cont- we just thank you all for your continued support. And catch you next week.